Well, hello there, and welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, podcasting again from the virtual innards of my digital island here in Animal Crossing, New Horizons. That shouldn't really make a difference for you, but if you're curious what this set looks like, take a look over at youtube.com slash fatheroderick. And this week, too, I can welcome a couple of new patrons, people that support me on a monthly basis. I've got a whole list here. We're still working on it. Uh, it and uh, so Inge is uh, uh, using the patron system to keep track of uh, everyone who is donating and who is adding or, or increasing or or sometimes also canceling their donations. Um, uh, I noticed that the, the list that I currently have in front of me is not current. So um, don't worry if you have become a patron lately, your name will be mentioned. We'll just have to give Inga a little bit more time to uh, sort things out. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. All right, so one of the things that uh, has kept us all busy, and Inga too, is the transition of the website on which I used to publish these podcasts. And, and, and that used to be Tridio.com. Tridio is T-R-I-D-E-O.com. -E that is the general uh, foundation that uh, is, is kind of like the umbrella for, for what I do. Um, but it's not the most recognizable brand. Father Roderick is much easier to... Uh, to remember, I, I did have that domain name. I just didn't do anything with it. It, uh, I think it forwarded to my YouTube page. Well, we finally built a website. And um, if you type it in, fatheroderick.com, you will see that it, it looks actually quite a bit like uh, other uh, video-on-demand platforms that you're used to. We did uh, I did that on purpose, or I asked that on purpose, uh, because I wanted to have something that when you visit the site, you immediately know how to use it. And um, I wanted a website. What was that? I heard something. I heard a sound. I don't know what it was. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> it, I wanted to to gather all the all my content, um, and and it's actually a lot if you look at it, the, the lists here, on in a very simple, easy to use interface. So right here um, on the front page you see my latest video in this case it is my my last podcast so you see me in the same podcasting room as that i'm sitting uh right now and then right underneath you've got the big buttons that, that bring you to the main categories or at least some of the main categories it's a star wars commentary because that's kind of a staple ingredient of uh, <laughs> of what i do in in new media it's always there's always star wars in there i've got a special category for my Lego adventures and I'm super excited that yesterday I finally restarted my Lego streams. Uh, it's always been a lot of fun to to chat with people building Legos. I actually should uh, create a Lego room here in, in um, Animal Crossing as well. So I've got the Lego streams. Mass for Geeks, it's also a pretty recent initiative, but uh, is, is very popular. And uh, it's not just the mass or the homilies, but we also did something new uh, this past Sunday, after Mass, I sat down with uh, Inge, and we're going to have some special guests on uh, as well. And we did a, a bit of an impromptu kind of talk show-like, or it's more of a chat with the audience, but we're definitely going to also target that to to a geek audience, and we'll discuss um, uh, 
Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, Marvel movies, anything like that, but always in the in the, kind of in the format of a of a conversation with the audience. So uh, it's a uh, I, I really love the the first episode that we did. Um, I think we're going to call it Digital Pizza with Father Roderick or something like that. Uh, we were planning on on getting real pizza because mass is now a little bit earlier during the day, so we finish right at uh, dinner time. And so I figured, well, if we order pizza, that may actually be uh, a cool, uh, I don't know, it's just a cool activity to combine with a chat. That's not really what you would do, right? You would eat pizza on pizza night and you talk about your favorite movies. So why not do that with the community? Um, then I've got a category, it's called Let's Play Video Games. That is um, also one of, one of the things that people seem to enjoy on my channel. It is when I play video games and show the world how bad I am at video games. But it is also a lot of fun to hang out with, uh, with people. It's all, a lot of these, these, this content is social content. But in contrast with that, I have another category called travel and vlogs, and there is a hidden category that is called documentaries. And uh, those contain my uh, more cinematic, TV-like productions. And that is only going to get bigger uh, now that we're, uh, uh, that we're um, tra translating um, some of the documentaries and readapting them for an international audience. So super, super excited uh, about this new website. I think it looks lovely. If you find any bugs, if there's anything that we can improve, then make sure to uh, send me a note. There is one final category all the way on the bottom, and that is especially important if you are a podcast listener and it shows you the last couple of podcasts and this is a mix of um, of this one that you're currently listening to or watching and also the walk and some other stuff that we're going to put up i got a, a request from some of my followers asking me for a, an audio version of my sunday homilies now i don't know if that's just one person but uh someone told me I just don't have time to watch this, the, the mass live or to go to YouTube, but I would really enjoy a podcast version of that. So if, if, if there are more people like that, let me know as well, and I, I will see what I can do. And with that, it is time for our first segment, and let me turn on the TV and see what's on, because it is time to talk about TV. And, well, it seems to be a cartoon right now. <laughs> I don't watch that many cartoons. I used to be a huge fan of cartoons when I was a kid. Tom and Jerry is my ab absolute favorite. And also Speedy Gonzalez and uh, what else was there? <laughs> Calamero? <laughs> anyway. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Someone in the chat says, eh, that's a great podcasting room there. Uh, but uh, you, what you're lacking is a statue of Our Lady. I'm not sure if Nintendo <laughs> Animal Crossing has statues of Our Lady. But if you find any, let me know. For now, I just have the boat. Kind of a... Uh, a, a biblical, a, a biblical thing, right? The, the boat. Uh, the G, the, I'll just pretend this is one of the boats that Jesus uh, went on. 
All right, so while the TV is playing in the background, I want to talk about a, a, a TV show that I've picked up again, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is the only Star Trek series that I have not completed yet. I've seen all the others, love them. Deep Space Nine, because it's so big and because it's more of a bit of a, it's not a sitcom, but it's a more static uh, show, I, I initially disregarded it and, and thought, well, it's just a cheap a cheap version of Star Trek. It doesn't have that exploration element in it that I loved so much. It's much more of a, of a. It feels a bit more like Babylon Five, and actually, it is quite similar story-wise to to Babylon Five. So I kind of never really checked it out until I think two years ago when people kept telling me, "You gotta watch it. It's so good." So currently in season four, um, and yesterday I I uh, I saw another episode. So this is where Ron. Ronald D. Moore comes in and and wrote some of those uh, scripts, and I think he's even an executive producer on the show. Or I saw something like that in, in the the uh, end credits. Uh, Ronald D. Moore really wanted to get that show to another level and uh, gave it much more of an overarching storyline. Um, and the last season three, the end of season three, and and the beginning of season four already gives you like uh, the first hints at, at the bigger story that's going on. It's really cool, but there are also a lot of standalone episodes. The one that I saw yesterday um, was about, uh, so there's this uh, this one crew member um, who is a female, uh, but has not always been female. Uh, it's a, a certain symbiote, symbiont, uh, alien, I suppose, or whatever, and they change hosts uh, over the course of centuries, and so they can be a, an old man, and then when they, it's not really reincarnation, but when they take hold of another host, um, they can be uh, a child or a, or a woman, or they can swap genders and everything. And so this uh, this is not just an, a unique case. Uh, so th this episode that I watched. Uh, sees another one of those uh, symbionts uh, in the body of a woman visit Deep Space Nine, and uh, it, it turns out that these two were married in a in a previous situation where one was a woman and the other one was a man, and the uh, code or whatever the the morals or the ethics of this particular. Uh, I don't know how to call it. Is it a, a, an alien race or whatever? But it prohibits um, f former re uh, amorous relationships to continue once the symbionts have changed uh, hosts. However, love is stronger than rules. And so these two fall in love again or are, have never really fallen out of love. And that turns into a bit of a forbidden romance. And then there is a kiss. Uh, between two women, well, two women actors, of course, um, against the backdrop of that story. So previously they were married man and woman, and, and, and then they kiss. But it is still, um, I suppose, back then, this is, this, I don't know when this series was, was made, uh, definitely more than 10 years ago, must have still been a bit of a taboo uh, breaking episode, you know, the, the first female-only kiss or something like that is a romantic kiss. It's not just a kiss on the forehead or anything. Um, so it was interesting from that perspective. The rest was a little bit lackluster, and it, it uh, had a bit of an unsatisfying ending where, well, 
Am I going to spoil it? Anyway, no, I'm not going to spoil it. But it's it's uh, it, it doesn't have any consequences. It doesn't really change anything, at least I think. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, I see what they're doing. I see what they're trying to do. But I thought that this, this episode could have been like a multiple episode story arc. Uh, after all, this is, this is a pretty traumatic situation where you realize that you know, you you cannot longer love someone that you actually shared a, a lifetime with. That 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 is a very interesting story theme. Anyway, uh, so uh, Deep Space Nine, I'm definitely going to continue that uh, probably on a daily basis. I really want to get through this and finish the entire season before the new season of Discovery uh, will uh, be launched on on Netflix. It's on Netflix here. It's uh, CBS All Access in, in in the United States. Um. And then I saw something else. I'm going to turn off this TV because it's very noisy. Mm, can, I, can I do that? Yeah, there you go. Okay. <sighs> Quiet. Nice. <laughs> Just going to sit behind my desk. That is, if uh, if my avatar actually wants to sit down. Yeah, there you go. Um, I saw a documentary that I discovered on um, on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime in the Netherlands has always been very modest in its offerings, but lately, since they now have an Amazon, a Dutch Amazon website, they've been trying to get new people to sign up, and so they have expanded their their uh, their catalog tremendously. And they do have a lot of interesting stuff that, that has never been on Netflix and never probably will be on Netflix. One of these is a documentary that I've heard about, and I was looking forward to it tremendously but i never thought it would ever be on you know in 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 theater it definitely didn't hit our theaters and i i wondered if we would ever see it in the netherlands because it's about world war one and uh well as you know uh the holland did not participate in world war one so uh it is made by one of my favorite directors of all time peter jackson and it's based on archival footage uh, film footage that was shot um, d- during and before, during and after World War One. It's called "They Will Not Grow Old," and um, I think it's is that it. I'm trying to find a trailer so I can play it for you. That they shall not grow old. Sounds a little bit more classy. They shall not grow old, and. Um, when I when I watched the the, the trailer, uh, I was struck by how they uh, used the archival footage and improved it. They even colored it. They 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 did a massive computer restoration on all that material, and it looked spectacular. I thought that the entire documentary would be like that, but it is um, it's actually a. Uh, just part of the movie and it starts with the original material so it's like a four by three aspect ratio it's very grainy there are lots of artifacts the the speed the pay the speed because back then of course filming was done manually so it depended on on this the the speed of the hand of the the operator camera operator um how 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 many frames per second you would have it would be variable so it it looks like any other black and white old fat old very old archival footage but then at one point when the when the war starts and you you follow these soldiers and i, I also have to explain that in order to tell the story they use 
audio interviews with soldiers that have fought in war. A lot of that material is also old, archival, but because it is audio, it, you don't notice how, how when these were recorded. This, these could be radio recordings from the 50s or the 60s. I didn't look it up, but it, some of this stuff sounds as if it was recorded uh, uh, decades ago. But as a running commentary on the images, it is extremely well edited, very impressive, and the storytelling is amazing. I mean, there you see the hand of the master. This is not just a documentary. This is high-class documentary storytelling. And ama- I think that people underestimate the amount of work that must have gone into that. And then once you see all the preparations, that is still with the grainy footage, and then they, you, you follow them to France, and they enter uh, the war, and all of a sudden the, the image expands, and it's colored, and it's uh, pace-corrected, so they, they removed all the, the, you know, the variable frame rate and everything, and it is stunning. It is so stunning what they've done. And you can still see, of course, that it's been digitally enhanced and everything but you the story is so well told and so gripping and sometimes also so shocking that you kind of completely forget that you're watching archival uh, material and and in this case it's not so much more than just a gimmick it sucks you into the reality of the war and i've never ever seen um an archival footage feeling so contemporary in a certain way um I don't know how to explain it. It's something you have to experience. It blew me away. I was already impressed by 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 the by the trailer, but now that I've seen the documentary itself, it is amazing. It's so great. I've I've heard about the First World War in my history lessons. I remember I went to France and uh, I did a radio show back then, or I co um, I was one of the hosts of a radio show. And I, for a week, I toured France, and we visited all sorts of places. Uh, and, and every day, I would make a, an audio documentary for Dutch radio. And this one day, we went to a field where there had been this massive massacre, soldiers killing each other. It was very gruesome, and I remember that we walked through the fields, and it looked so peaceful and calm, and there were cows grazing and everything, and birds and butterflies. And But the, 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 the person who showed me around told me the story of what really happened there, including that they used poisonous gas and everything, and it was very... According to him, that war was um, so cruel compared to even World War II or more contemporary wars. Um, and, he, and he was like, because we don't have images, we think that, well, World War One, you know, they, they had old airplanes, they didn't have all the destructive technology that, 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 that even they, the Germans had in World War Two. so how, how terrible could it be? Well, he said, this is one of the most cruel wars in, in recent history. This movie shows you what he meant and brings it to life. And uh, I didn't check, but I wouldn't be surprised if that area that I visited, so where one of the big battles was were, were, uh, was fought, um, that, that that is also part of the footage that they shot. It, it is amazing. I'm going to play the trailer now because th- this this demands a little bit of uh, of audio. So you see the black and white footage here. 
soldiers marching. They even left in all the blemishes. And there you see the tanks. And now the image is turning into color. Widescreen. Absolutely. A groundbreaking documentary produced and directed by Peter Jackson. I was 16 years old and my father allowed me to go. I was just turned 17 at the time. I was 16. I was 15 years You realize that this when war was fought by kids. They were frightened children and had to be made into soldiers. Boys, here it comes. We're in the pictures. <laughs> I gave every part of my youth to do a job. A deeply human experience, that's absolutely true. It's not told from the perspective of, of tactics or anything, or even politics. But it shows you what it does to, you know, young boys that are basically fighting in the war. Many of which lied about their age just so they could partake and they had a very romantic view of the war and then uh, of course reality turned out to be very very different travel back in time the trailer says that's how it feels to experience history it's this is not her hyperbole with those who were actually there it, it feels like you've been part of the of the experience after you've seen this It's 100-year-old film footage, stunningly transformed. There was a job to be done, and you just got on and did it. The Great War, in color and 3D. This was in 3D? I did not realize that this had been filmed in 3D. Okay, now I need to get the 3D version, because I've only seen it in 2D. I did not know that they did 3D conversion as well. That makes it even more impressive. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, so... Uh, yes, it is an experience, and it shows you how horrible war was and is. And in that respect, I think the, the, the accomplishment is not just technical or storytelling, but it is also deeply human. Um, it, it is rare to see documentaries about war be so where the story is told from such a personal perspective and um and since it's still you're listening to the people that lived through it and and lived to tell the story it feels more real than anything there's no voice over here like back then in uh, in france the first regiment moved north and no you, you just hear stories of like Oh, the food was terrible, and sometimes we would just, uh, uh, what, what did they cook? It was just, ah, uh, there were some stories of, oh, they would eat bread full of mold and everything, and, and they show you the images. Um, spectacular, spectacular. This should have a much bigger audience. I hope that uh, where you live, you, you, you're able to, to, to have access to this documentary. And I, I'm really going to look on, on Amazon right away to see if I can find it, the 3D trailer for that. And with that, it is time to move over to the next room in my house. I'm going to the chapel because it is time to meet the Peculiar Bunch. Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their faith, but you were afraid to ask. 
Bugs can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? No, we don't eat light bulbs. But we do have our customs and traditions and liturgies and whatnot. And I'm so excited that here in Animal Crossing, I do have my own chapel. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So for those of you that are just listening to the audio version, you're not missing out anything. And if you're curious, you can always go to YouTube and, and check this latest video out. But I'll just describe you where I am. This is a chapel that I built. Uh, actually, I started building it a couple of days ago, but I made it even nicer yesterday evening. Um, so it's a rectangular room. It's got stained glass windows. It got a beautiful pipe organ with golden pipes. It looks very lush and expensive. And then there are some benches, nicely decorated with flowers. Everything is a bit brown and marble and, and beige. Very, very nice. I've got two big television cameras in the back because, of course, I'm streaming my masses live during corona times. It's got an altar with a couple of uh, candles burning on it. And uh, there is also an ambo with a Bible on it from which, uh, you know, we can, we can read Bible stories. And uh, I think I could even sit on the, um, the, the organ seat and, and I'll just let you listen to the organ. I can't play really, but uh, it does work. You hear that? <laughs> okay. This would be this very realistic. <laughs> I would try it out. Now I do. I do know how to play the piano, but I'm not not a very good organ player. So um, that made me actually think. Uh, building this chapel, I was like, but would it be possible to celebrate um, an in-game liturgy? And at first, that sounded wrong. I was like, I'm not gonna celebrate mass in a uh, with a digital avatar. That would be sacrilegious. But then I'm thinking, well, you know, actually, I think there is a way to celebrate uh, a liturgy in a virtual space like this. Um, it's the same thing like with virtual reality. Um, it's, it's virtual reality in the sense that it is, it, it's not really there. It is just digital, but it is still a, a reality, maybe not the reality. And I've always believed that God can be in any reality, right? He, or he actually wants to be in every reality. So why not in virtual reality? Why not in an in-game reality? So what I first thought was would be impossible and maybe even would get me, uh, I don't know, grounded or, or criticized on, on YouTube if I would do that. Now I'm thinking, well, maybe I am going to, to experiment with this. After all, I came up with uh, this digital chapel during Corona times. God is trying to find new ways to reach people. And uh, if I can gather some faithful on this island, some, some digital faithful, real people playing this game, but still participating in this liturgy in, in a virtual way, why couldn't we read the Bible? Why couldn't I uh, preach? Why, why couldn't God work inside a game? It's not that different from, for instance, uh, uh, what I do with the, with the Mass for Geeks, where everything, well, like 
99.9% of the participants during Mass for Geeks are not really there. Well, they actually are there, but they're in different parts of the world. We have people from Jamaica, from 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 uh, uh, Asia watching, uh, a whole bunch of people from, from uh, Europe and from the United States. There were some people from South America there. And they are truly there and feels like they're truly there, but they're separated sometimes by an entire ocean or by half of the globe. And yet... I know from their from their comments that the liturgy is affecting real change and is helping them in their faith and is inspiring them. So if that works with a mass that is televised, why wouldn't it work in well, it's not mass of course, but for for mass you can't virtually part of the sacramentality of of mass is that it is it has to take place in a real space. Um, it's the same uh, uh, reason why we don't have digital confessions. There, you, you can't have a, a confession robot or something like that. Sacraments are always a real encounter. It has to be physical in a in certain way. Why? Because that is what Jesus did. He went to the people. He touched them. He wanted to be physically present. And it's only later on that the apostles write letters but always to real communities that would gather in in their uh, homes and celebrate liturgy. Later on, they would build churches because they wanted to be together physically. So there is this, this, this physical aspect of the sacramental life of the church, at least in the Catholic tradition, is of vital importance, but that doesn't mean that it is the only way for God to, to reach us and to, uh, to inspire us. So when I'm standing behind the altar here, maybe I cannot celebrate the Eucharist, but I can preach. I, we can read the Bible. Actually, what I would li like to do is an experiment. I'm now part of a, uh, a server, a Discord server from other Catholics, including two or three priests that are also playing Animal Crossing. I want to invite them over and maybe record a little uh, service or evening prayer or something like that in preparation of Sunday Mass. I'm thinking... Uh, this game is super popular with teenagers, um, and not just teenagers. I'm playing this too. I'm not a teenager anymore, um, but I can imagine that uh, we will gather here with with some. It's, and it sounds so weird. Real digital parishioners. So the the benches right here in front of me would be filled with uh, how many people can I fit in? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I could put it up. Some, I can put some chairs next to the organ, maybe for me and for uh, an, uh, an acolyte. And or uh, someone who's doing the reading, so we we can actually read from the Bible, and I could do a little uh, meditation on the biblical text, and I think that that maybe the entirety would just last for fifteen minutes, but it would be fun to watch. Um, we could even do a little back and forth between me and the, and the people that are partaking in this service, and have a little conversation about the gospel, and that in itself, I think, could help people maybe experience Sunday Mass in an even more intense way because they've already heard the readings, they have thought about it, and so when they, they, when they are present, it, either in a real parish or uh, digitally by watching a, a, a Mass that is streamed, um, they, I think that the, 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 it's almost as if uh, the field has already been uh, prepared I realize now that I'm wearing my cap here in church. That is, even in the digital world, it's not the most, uh, it's not the polite thing to do. So I'm going to 
take out my wand. I actually have a magic wand. Is that sacrilegious? <laughs> Use a magic wand here in church. And I have actually special... Um, Uh, special clothes for in church. So I'm going to use my wand and I'm going to put on my white chasuble that I designed myself. Here we go. Three, two, one. And boom, now I'm wearing a white chasuble. And I also am wearing um, a halo that someone gifted me. Um, not because I'm that holy, but uh, it, it just felt appropriate. If there is one place on my island that I should wear a halo, it's in church because the sacraments actually help us to become holy. So uh, this, of course, is a temporary halo. <laughs> it can re be removed at any time by my own stupidity and sin. But right now, you know, I'm kind of happy that I have my own chasuble. And uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Max in the chat says, I miss confession. I haven't been able to go, and I don't think they allow confession through Zoom. No, it's exactly what I tried to explain. Uh, we don't have digital confession, but I'm pretty sure that um, uh, confession will be restored. Actually, it is already allowed in many churches. You just have to, you can't go into a confessional, and uh, there has to be a distance. Maybe you have to wear a mask, a fa face mask. To, to diminish uh, any risk of contamination. But uh, confessions, are, I'm sure if you would approach your local priest that uh, he would uh, find out find a way to hear your confession. Uh, Mark says, this sounds like a great idea. Would you open your airport for a few people to attend in person? Yes, I would. I would send, if you ha uh, play this game, just send me a note and I'll send you... Uh, um, a what they call a dodo code. <laughs> It's like a personal invitation to my island. And then I'll just have to pick a time. Uh, the place is, is easy. Um, maybe this weekend we can do uh, some of these experiments. Just let me know. Um, Samuel says, at least Catholics have confession. I'm not a Catholic. And the, the local Protestant monastery does not have confession. Sometimes I think I should become a Catholic. I love that church so much. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe God is pointing you the way step by step as usual god never rushes us never forces us but uh, <laughs> samuel is a magician uh, as a profession he says i actually can eat light bulbs <laughs> an english juggler taught me that a few years ago that's in the in the jingle you know do, do catholics eat light bulbs so maybe you're already a proto-catholic because you can do what most catholics can't <laughs> fabio says greetings from el salvador I'm so excited always when I have people from South America visiting. I love the way you incorporate new technology with the everlasting message of Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly the, the challenge, right? It is to, to use a game like this. The, I remember seeing this game and I'm thinking, oh, I can do something with this. I can use this for my ministry. And I did not know how. I had no idea. And then I started playing it and it just came together. I was like, and then I, I, didn't, I wanted to build a chapel But the game itself did not have any elements that I could use to decorate a chapel. I saw some some other attempts by people uh, creating like make makeshift chapel. They didn't chapel. They did not look too convincing. But then for this month of June, right when I started playing this game, uh, they uh, said that uh, there was going to be this wedding event where you have to uh, travel to an island. And there is a newlywed couple, and they want you to make pictures of, uh, of their wedding. 
And as a reward, if you do a good job with those pictures, they give you the, the, the decor pieces that you use for the wedding shoot. And it included this awesome backdrop of, of church, of stained glass windows. And they're actually 3D. Um, if you look at the... There are mountains in the distance. And if I move the camera, the mountains themselves are also changing a little bit. It's a little bit hard. There, you see it. If I if I move the camera, you'll see that you can actually look through the windows. It's it's really, really well done. And so, uh, and, and, and at first, I only got everything in pink, and it looked pink and white. It looks extremely cheesy. Uh, but then the more I, every day I went back to that island to uh, take w wedding photos, and then uh, just yesterday, they gave me all these beautiful brown colored uh, uh, stuff like the benches and and uh, different stained glass windows and a beautiful organ and like well this is perfect this is I mean wow I just get a friend request it's probably from someone in the chat who is watching this on YouTube so I've received a f two friend requests actually let me just look that up I've got commander and I've got Martin that must be is that Mark? No, it's probably someone else. Is that anyone in the chat room who sent me these requests? If so, I'll send you an invite to to visit me. Could even I'm not if actually I'm not sure how to do that. So I'm now becoming friends. Oh, Mark says I send you a friend request from AC Commander. That's Mark. Oh, cool, Mark. That's awesome. Are you in? Yeah, you should be on your switch right now. So what I can do is I can open my gate, the gate of my airport. And then if you look for open airports, you should be able to visit me. Let me go do that while I move over to the next segment. So let, let's see if that works. I'm just going to go outside here. You'll hear the, the music playing in the background. I'm explaining for the people that are listening to the podcast. Um, so it is already evening on my island because I the... The time, the in-game time, is similar to uh, real time. Even though in, in the Netherlands, I'm looking outside my real window here, and uh, the sun has not set yet, whereas in the game, it's already dark. So, um, can you make... Josh wants to know, can you make the gate... Can you open the gate for everyone with a code? I think I can send, a, like, a, an invite. So, I'm here at the airport, on the inside of the airport, and I, I, I tell the, the dodo, who's this... Airport is manned by ex <laughs> by animals that are extinct <laughs> to inspire confidence, I suppose. And I'm just going to tell this dodo to open uh, the gates of my island. And if any one of you wants to uh, wants to visit, you have to go now, of course. And probably the, my island is called Paradisum, so it's a Latin name, and th that comes from Catholic liturgy as well, from um, funeral liturgy, where when we br when we uh, say our last goodbyes. Uh, we sing a Latin chant called "In Paradisum Deducante Angeli," which means to paradise. The, the angels will guide you to paradise. And so, I thought, well, if people are visiting my island, it, I want them to feel like this is like like paradise. So they go in paradisum. <laughs> That's why my island is called paradisum. So I'm just uh, standing here in the lobby. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to wait for uh, for uh, Mark to uh, to visit. You should arrive, and then you'll, you'll probably hear the sounds. In the meantime, I'm going to play the jingle for my next segment here, which is dedicated to the world of books, which is, by the way, when I have to wait for an airplane, 
I always read books, so this is a very suitable environment for the next segment. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Oh, again, so excited that finally life is getting more or less back to normal. Not entirely, but it's much more normal than it used to be two weeks ago. Um, so I've started to build Lego and do Lego streams again, but I've also picked up reading again. Uh, Sam Samuel uh, from Sweden had his birthday this past weekend, and he gifted me a book. So on his birthday, he gave presents instead of receiving them. And uh, he gifted me an audio book. Um, which is uh, the the first book of the Mistborn trilogy, uh, written by Anderson, and it is uh, a, a very cool audiobook. It's very long. I think it's twenty four hours. <laughs> so that is an amazing. But I've heard so many good uh, things about uh, about the Mistborn trilogy, and I did have uh, some other books written by him. And now it says that it has a message. Looks like someone is on their way here. So I think that uh, Mark is uh, is on his way. Artemis says, are we talking about Mistborn? I need to read those. Well, I'm also starting to listen to the audiobook. And yes, Mark is coming from the island of Serenity. Are you a brown coat? I need to know. Or is that just a nice name that you wanted for your island? Tropically grown chill soul Mark. That is his surname. You can pick your own surname. <laughs> You got to tell me, Mark, if if uh, Serenity, if that is a reference to uh, to Firefly or not. <laughs> All right, let's see. It's it's uh, the message says it's starting the descent. So, uh, oh, Samuel was a brown coat as well. I did not know that. Cool. David says Mistborn is a fantastic series. Oh, cool. Yvonne is there, too. And Yvonne is also one of my uh, uh, my friends here on the island. There is Mark. Uh, so Mark is wearing a sweater uh, with uh, some red and green stripes and blue stripes. And he's got gray hair and a beard and, and, and glasses. Um, Mark is definitely a brown coat. Oh, cool. So Mark is already outside. So let me go and, and uh, uh, greet him there. So, yeah. Yvonne is also uh, one of my earliest visitors, and uh, I think I visited uh, her island as well. So I'm just going to emote and say greetings. So, of course, I cannot really hear Mark because normally in order to do that, I would have to uh, uh, set up a voice connection. I can't do that yet. I want to set that up on my Discord server, create a special chat room for people that are visiting me so I can record the audio and... In that way, it would be perfect. Someone else is also making his, his his or her way to the island. I don't know if that's someone who's watching the stream, but sometimes you'll just get random visitors as soon as you open the gates. Then uh, other people are visiting too. But it's, it's great. This is the first time that I'm getting visitors while I'm recording the show. I hope I'm not annoying the, uh, <laughs> the audio listeners. Like, what the heck is he talking about? This is Alec, who is coming from Luna. Alec, are you in the chat room as well? I don't know. Uh, let me know. So, in the meantime, starting to listen to Mistborn. Um, and I've also finally finished a book that I started reading months ago. But I was uh, uh, incentivized by um, John Domek, also one of my friends. <clears throat> Uh, 
he, he said, you got to finish it. It is the Dark Tower series. Uh, and I read the first book, The Gunslinger. I started it maybe two or three years ago, and I never got through the first few chapters. I was like, well, what kind of book is this? I don't understand. Um, so uh, he said, actually, the reason that I wanted to read it is that he said, I don't like this book. <laughs> like, what? Wait, hold on. Everybody's raving about this. So Alec is wearing, uh, Alec is now entering also the airport. Uh, is in black trousers, white uh, shirt, and is wearing a mouth mask. So I hope he's not infecting my island with the coronavirus. <laughs> so uh, Samuel wants to know if you can play Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Switch Lite. Yes, absolutely. All righty. Uh, the Switch Lite is identical. Um, so everyone is uh, is typing now. But uh, so Dark Tower. I did not know what to think of this book. Uh, it is really difficult to. Get. I I have to also preface this with the fact that uh, with the mention that I wa tried to watch the movie based on Dark Tower. Dark Tower is so popular that they finally turned it into a movie. I think it took like fifteen years for them. And it was terrible. It was horrible. I did not like it at all. I. I I cannot believe how you can mess up a movie based on a Stephen King novel. He is so great. And uh, most of his books actually read like their movies. Uh, all right, guys, if you want to follow me. Oh, gosh, and he's just sneezing in my face there. Oh, gosh, yes, I am getting infected <laughs> with a digital version of the coronavirus. Oh, my God. God, God bless you. Uh, he also gave me an antique clock as a present. That is very kind of you. Thank you so much. Uh, that makes me really happy. So the movie, horrible. And I think it was universally panned. Um, but Samuel says, what is wrong with you guys? The Dark Tower is the best series ever and the ending was amazing. Well, the first book, the first book was really difficult. All right, let me... Let's go to uh, to my house here and go to my podcasting room, if that's okay with you. Um, the The first book is actually a composition. Uh, it is a um, uh, uh, how you call it? A collection, I should say, of five short stories or, or, or five novellas that he wrote over the span of multiple years. Um, it tells the story of this gunslinger who is this uh, kind of western. It's kind of western sci-fi. So it's this um, cowboy-like figure, a mysterious figure, um, and and he is pursuing someone called the dark. The dark, what was it? The dark. Oh gosh, um, some some dark dude. And you never really. Please take a seat if you want to. Um, uh, do I have another? Yeah, I do. I do have a rocking chair next to the uh, to the bookshelf where you can sit down. Uh, it is a nice crib, definitely, Alec. Please uh, make yourself comfortable. If, 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 do as if you're at home. So, um, the, uh, the, he's, he's following this, this dark dude, and uh, you don't understand why and what's going on. And at first, you're, you're of course, you kind of root for, for, the, for the gunslinger, but you don't really know if he's truly good, because because at one point he murders an entire village because he's being threatened by some uh, uh, strange lady who seems to be possessed by by he, who bears a child of of 
the dark one and then he actually kills the child and lets her live and then the, the, they try to kill him and he, he murders the entire village. I was like, ah, what is this? What kind of story is this? And then he meets a boy and uh, tells the boy about his own backstory, so his own youth and... Uh, It's also, all of a sudden, you're in a story, inside the story, it's very confusing, and you hear that he's become a gunslinger, and because his his father was unfaithful, or his mother was unfaithful, or, uh, every time I was reading some of these chapters, like, well, I don't understand, what's going on, why am I reading this? And then, um, the boy itself, you think he's going to, the boy's going to be his apprentice or anything, he's very positive about the boy, and then, at one point, he actually... Well, the boy meets his ends. Let's put it that way. And I was like, "Oh man!" And and then the the, the final quarter of the book takes a really unexpected turn, especially if you don't know what the story is about. And uh, and and you you suddenly start to understand. Well, this is a there is a meta story here at work. This is a, like a big. Uh, story like a cyclical story of the battle between good and evil, and these persons are probably just metaphors for for I don't know. It's just I, the the problem that I had with the first book is that it feels a bit disjointed, and I think it is because it is based on five separate stories that he did revise afterwards once he finished the entire series to make it more coherent with uh, a bit uh, like what Tolkien did also with The Hobbit. So he made a lot of uh, corrections so that it would be uh, consistent with the events in The Lord of the Rings. So Stephen King, I think, did the same. Um, but uh, it, it, um, it, it only works so-so. The... The issue that I had is that I did not root for the gunslinger. I did not find him particularly interesting or sympathetic or deep. It's just not a very appealing character. Now, John Domek, who actually told me, you got to finish this book. He said, hang on, this, I'm currently reading the second book. It's a ton better than the first book. So, And I know that some of you in the chat room are also telling me, keep reading this, David says uh, the dark guy is the walking man called Randolph Flagg. Um, so, uh, and and there is Milk Dut Princess asks, are you giving a lesson to the people on your island? I just got here. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just recording a podcast actually while, while, while I'm uh, walking around. This is my podcasting room. Um, so Artemis wants to know if you don't like the Dark Tower. What is your favorite book? That is a hard question. There are many books that I've read over and over again. I think if it, if I compare it to Star Wars, what is my favorite Star Wars movie? The one that I watched more than any other movie in my life. It is, of course, A New Hope. Um, John Marston is the best gunslinger, says Alec. Uh, he was sitting here in the rocking chair next to the bookshelf. I will keep that in mind. Um, so if I would take the book that I read the most in my life, then that is probably my favorite favorite book. It would be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. That is a book that I read, I don't know how many times. It, I couldn't stop reading it. And once I finished it, as a, as a kid, I would read it again and again and again. Now, of course, that is a choice based on uh, just the, the number of times. I did not read any other book 
this many times. Well, the Bible maybe because but you never read the entire book. But the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is, I think, the best children's book ever written. And and I still would like to read it from time to time, uh, but I just want to read other stuff. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let me know what is your favorite book. I'm always on the lookout for um, for other uh, uh, you know ideas. Although Miss Born, 24 Hours, it is uh, um, I think a 600 plus page book, and that's just the first in the series. That is probably going to keep me occupied for a couple of weeks, but I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> People in the chat room seem to seem to like the fact that I'm recording this uh, in in game and <laughs> outside uh, through the window I can see that darkness has fallen over my island. But here in my podcasting room, it is nice and cozy, and it is high time to move over to the next segment of the show dedicated to the world of science fiction. So let's play the jingle here. And Alex says uh, one of his favorite books is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That is rare. You don't, by Hugh, um, Victor Hugo, you don't hear that very often. But it is a great story, very compelling story. I actually really like the uh, Disney uh, animated movie based on uh, The Hunchback. <laughs> great songs as well. I see aliens, little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you! <laughs> it's so fun to have people actually react to what I say on the podcast. So Alec is like, oh, gosh, yes, I, I did like the Disney movie as well. So he's applauding my uh, recommendation there. I'm standing next to my uh, telescope because this is uh, the segment where we watch the stars and we, uh, we try to find... <laughs> A science fiction story to talk about. David in the chat says, my favorite book is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, always know where my towel is. Well, speaking of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that was my very first science fiction video game that I ever played. And you may say, wait, what? Video game? Yes. I am from the age where adventures were just... Uh, text adventures and the very first text adventure that i played on my trs 80 uh, <laughs> which is a very ancient computer this is way before the dawn of the internet on my trs 80 um i uh i had an adventure called hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i'd never heard of the books this was also way before the internet way before we could order books online this was a book that was not part of of the library so i did not know about it but i played this video game and it was this weird story which was so compelling you wake up i think in a house and then all of a sudden you hear something rumbling outside and it turns out there's a huge uh, uh truck or whatever it is and it, it is about to demolish your your house and then you go outside and you're I think beamed up by a by a flying saucer by a spaceship, and then you get, there's this entirely wacky uh, story. But because it was a text adventure, you could actually. You, I felt like I was part of the story. This is the very first text adventure that I ever played, and so Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, still remains one of my all time favorite uh, text adventures because it it was the very first time that I experienced uh, being part of a story 
influencing the story. And it was very simple. You just had to type words and the parser was very limited. So you could say west and then you walk west. There is a there is a wall here. Uh, east. You walk east. You're back in your garden. The spaceship is still hovering above you. Uh, north. You are in front of the crew that is about to demolish your house. And then say, don't demolish my, my house. Um, I don't understand that command. Please try to rephrase it. So the parser, every time it didn't understand, so it was very limited. It was based on a certain combination of words that would unlock, for instance, a clue or whatever. Uh, and you had to keep track of where you were. So I would uh, take um, this... Uh, piece of paper divided into rows and, and little blocks and I would just literally every location I would fill in where I was so the garden was one block and then north of that uh, I would uh, make the, so that is the road and then there would be a cafe on the left and so because it was just text you had to really track where you were going uh, and sometimes you would get into mazes. There were other, like Zork. I played Zork. That was so cool. That was uh, actually a much older uh, Dungeons and Dragons text adventure. Um, but Zork, you needed to to draw the maze in which you were. <laughs> Otherwise, you would never get through the game. But it was what was so fantastic it was the TRS-80 was a black screen. And you just had these green letters on your screen. But in my mind, I was in a 3D movie that is unlike anything that I've seen afterwards in VR. It was so cool. And then the second text adventure, even before I played Zork, was, I think, the Wild West or something like that. It was a, um, uh, what was that brand? Later, they, they made a ton of adventures. I think they're no longer in existence. Uh, something with info. Let me... Let me look that up. Uh, no, I'm not going to Google that. That takes too much time. But anyway, um, it, and that, that took place in the Wild West. And you could uh, enter this village and there was a saloon. And <laughs> you could talk to people. And Again, it was just text. The story itself was nothing to write home about. But it was the fact that in my mind, I was in, the wi in a Wild West movie. It was so absolutely fantastic. Um, so... I'm um, getting a text message. Uh, Oregon Trail is good, too. I never played that one. That's also a classic game on these old computers, these DOS computers. But TRS-80 was not DOS-based. It was not Microsoft. So I don't think that I ever played Oregon Trail. I um, I think I've I downloaded an, an iOS version of that game. That was more procedurally, procedurally generated, I think, Oregon Trail, where... Uh, you'd basically travel through the Wild West and you have to keep your uh, caravan alive or something like that. But the events would be random, I think. There was little... It wasn't really an adventure. It was just a kind of a survival-type game. As far as I understand it, I may be totally wrong. But there is something to uh, science fiction books that has always... Uh, that I always loved. And I prefer... I even prefer it above science fiction movies. Um uh the the there is one book and i think i've mentioned this before but many of you are newer listeners so you may not remember um there was this one book i still kept the the uh the pocket book version the real paper book version of it it's called the asgard run i don't think it's available anymore but i love that book you're you're uh, exploring this big 
spaceship that has been on Earth for centuries and nobody knows how it came there. And uh, I'm just going to type that in. Uh, Asgard Run. I probably have to look it up on Amazon. I don't think there is an, a Kindle version. Otherwise, I would have bought it. No, it's still, there's only a paper version of this book. This is insane. It's written by Steve Vance. I don't think that he's, I don't think he's alive anymore. It's still available. The paperback version costs uh, 14 euros and 37 cents. So the description here, this is one of my favorite science fiction novels. Because of the atmospheric description of that huge spaceship. Uh, so here's the description on, uh, on Amazon. Roger Griffin's lifetime dream lay before him. He stood within an immense interstellar vessel that had lain beneath the Wyoming mount mountains for millennia. It had remained a virtual impenetrable fortress to the scientific teams that prowled its two-mile-long exterior, exterior until they managed to pry open the door. Then the dream of scientific discovery became a horrific nightmare as an earthquake awakened the long dormant brain of the malfunctioning spacecraft and rocked the door shut. Griffin and his fellow survivors frantically tried to escape, but the ship's computer took steps to rescue itself and exterminate the humans on board. Suddenly, the newly awakened control room displayed a clock for its terrified inhabitants to see. Its lights blinked in and off, but the message was clear. Six hours until lift off. Six hours to live. Six hours to die. I mean, isn't that the most amazing summary of a science fiction story you've ever heard? Ah, oh, it makes me go, go back to that book. I, I want to read it again. This is just, that, why isn't there a Kindle version? I know that if there w would be a Kindle version... Uh, just by my review alone, many of you would would probably uh, uh, listen to uh, or, or read the book. Let me see. Steve Vance. Uh, there's no author information. That is too bad. He wrote one other novel. I did not know that. It's called The Abyss. Would that be the book? No, that's probably not. Oh, I was like the the abyss. Is that the 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 book that inspired the movie? But it is not. This is about an old house. Sounds like a horror story. Now I want to know if Steve Vance. Why isn't he even mentioned? I mean, I can't believe that I'm the only one who knows about this book. Uh, I think I bought it in a secondhand bookstore, and this must have been while I was still in seminary. The book is from the year 2000, or this print is from two, 2000. So that would be before I went to Rome, even. Mm, there is no Wikipedia entry on, on Steve Vance. It is available on, um, on, on eBay. Wow. I don't find anything about this. Looks like someone else is on their way here. Uh, that is cool. We get another visitor. Well, that's what you get when you keep your uh, your airport open. I can't find any information about Steve Vance. Well, this is a this is a call for uh, those of you that are listening and are maybe even more, you know, book lover than than I am. Uh, if you can find more information about this author and about this story, I definitely would like to uh, 
to hear it. So, um, well, that, that would be my recommendation. I, it's kind of hard to recommend this book because there are only a few copies left on, on, on Amazon. But if you can get a hold of one of these books, maybe in a secondhand bookstore, let me know. This book deserves to be on Kindle. It deserves to be read. It's, it's, it's amazing. I want to read it again. And actually, this is just one of those books that I think would have been a fantastic 80s movie. You know, these these catastrophe movies where they're locked into a ship that is slowly sinking, stuff like that. This is like the science fiction equivalent of that story. It's all about survival. It's all about this, you know, in a way, it's kind of a science fiction play on on the on the story of of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as well. After all, the f- Chocolate Factory is like a big wondrous spaceship where they discover all these different areas and and it's lethal. It is very dangerous all these kids that are not worthy of of um, uh, uh you know becoming the 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 next owner of the Chocolate Factory. They all come to their uh well, not their end because I think most of them survive, but they all Get get hurt by the factory. It's actually a much darker story than it uh, than it initially uh, seems. So we have another visitor here on the island, and it is um, I don't know who is that. Oh, someone is visiting. I I just missed the name. But anyway, uh, if you're if you're actually in the chat room watching me record this, then make yourself at home in in my. Uh, in my room. Let's move over. Uh, I've got to uh, start wrapping things up. Uh, there is one final topic that I would briefly want to mention here, but I'm going to discuss it in depth on my uh, patron-only podcast, and that is the um, the news that Mac OS is going to be transfer to the ARM architecture. So the the chips that that Apple makes themselves, they're going to step away from the Intel architecture of chips. And so that is a mass. If that is true, that rumor is true, then this is an amazing new step for for Apple and and may have tremendous consequences for for their computers and maybe also for their mobile devices because it can it means that they can use the same chip inside their iPads uh, iPhones and in their uh, in their in their computers in their Macs so um, I'll also discuss uh, Android 11 the beta came out on some phones and uh, here's another list of stuff that I'm going to talk about while I start playing the end jingle I'm going to give you uh, a recipe of my uh, the onion soup that I made the other day we'll also talk about comic books I'll talk about the PlayStation 5 reveal that right now is still going to happen in the future by the time you're listening to this podcast it has already happened so I'll give you my initial impressions right off the cuff uh, after the event in uh, Father Roderick to the Max and I include a new segment on that show which is my media review. It can be a review of a website, a podcast, or a video game. And I have a fantastic, and I want to welcome someone else to uh, to my podcasting room. It's Elise, and uh, she has an amazing costume, I have to say. So welcome in my podcasting room. So glad you could join us. Also wearing a face mask, so uh, stay safe. Alec, thank you so much for visiting and uh, uh Mark, also, uh, wonderful to meet you here on the island. Let's do this again. Um, and and then the next time, we'll do some audio as well. So keep an eye on 
my website, fatherodrick.com, for more information. <laughs> and uh, again, I'm being sneezed at. It is really, really... Uh, uh, this is this is not good. I'm getting infected on my own island. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Anyway, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And if you're a patron, you have another show to look forward to. See you today. So go to www.patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Support me, even with a small donation every month, and you'll get to listen to another hour with much more content. Uh, and while the people in my digital podcast room are applauding the end of the show, I want to applaud you for <laughs> taking an hour of your life to listen to this. Um, and hopefully uh, I'll, I'll meet you somewhere on YouTube, on Facebook, or anywhere else. Take care and God bless.